0: Hey folks, Eric here. Before we get this episode started, I just wanted to let you know of a couple ways you can help the show out. Follow us on Twitter at Trek About Show. like us on Facebook by searching for TrekAbout on Facebook, and the best way to help the show out would be to review us on iTunes. Now let's get this show started. Hey everyone, and welcome to another TrekAbout special. Uh, today I'm talking to Jara Hodge. She's the founder of gender focus a a blog focusing on uh, feminism in in pop culture and she's also uh, a blogger over at a tumblr called trekkie feminist and that's kind of what i asked her on to talk about today uh so welcome jara
1: hi thanks for having me
0: sure so I was introduced to your work at Trekky feminism uh, or truckie feminist I should say uh when I went to uh the TrekCon in Las Vegas last uh, last August and you mm-hmm. were on a panel with uh, a couple of other women it was a I think it was called Trek Trek Girls is that right
1: Yeah something like that
0: Yeah and um it was really interesting to me because I I I was sort of uh, had only been I mean you know obviously I had only been sort of I guess generally aware that there was sort of this, um, uh, subculture of, of, of feminists that were talking about Star Trek. And I, I found it really interesting. And so, uh, how did you actually sort of get started, um, in talking about feminism in conjunction with Star Trek specifically?
1: Yeah. Um, uh, well, um, I've been a Trekkie from the time I was a little kid. Um, mostly my my dad got me into Star Trek and my older brothers and sisters into the next generation when I was little. Um, so that's always been um, sort of a hobby miniature obsession of mine. Um, and then in uh, university, I ended up taking women's studies as my major for my undergraduate. And um, a lot of the stuff that we were talking about um, and looking at was uh, looking at different pop culture through a feminist lens to say, you know, what sort of values uh, is the, are we talking about or does do we get through pop culture? And I thought that Star Trek was really interesting to look at because it is a vision of the future where ostensibly we're supposed to see humanity that's evolved and become... Um, more ideal than we are now. So I thought it was really interesting to ask, you know, what does this say about women, um, about people of different ethnicities, um, about LGBT people, and uh, ask if the, um, you know, to what extent Star Trek was showing a more equal future and to what extent it's still a product of its time. So then, oh, sorry.
0: <laughs> no, no. I was just gonna say, yeah. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Where you know, my my thing about Star Trek, and I think a lot of people's, um, you know, Star Trek is interesting because Star Trek, like you said, does have this um, vein of you know utopian optimism about it. Um, you know, is some sort of socialist uh, you know utopia. Um, but at the same time, it is very much a product of the time it's made in. And so, uh, what you get, I think, is you get a nice mix of striving for being better than the times that they're in, but at the same time being retrograde at some points. Would, would you kind of uh, agree with that or disagree with that?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so I started Trekkie Feminist last year. I'd written a little bit about Star Trek and feminism uh, before, um, but I started the Tumblr last year where I go through sort of episode by episode and uh, do some analysis and then also share things like quotes from creators and actors about the behind-the-scenes gender and racial issues. Um and that was partly in prep for the convention in Vegas, uh, but I'm still working on it. And I think it's a cool way because um, I think there's a lot of fans who they feel like the, the values of Star Trek resonate with them, but maybe they aren't connecting that to contemporary movements for equality or social change. So I think it's a good way into having those discussions um, to get people talking about something that they really love.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And and what would you say? You know, kind of, what 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 is kind of the the status of feminism in Star Trek currently? Do you think? Because um, you know, I, I look at I look at things like Star Trek Into Darkness, for example, and I know you sort of have you talked about that on, on the panel last August. Um, and you know, I find it really really sort of, I guess, a shame because I think you know. Uh, Uhura in the original series was was such a strong character. She was a role model for so many women, so many people of color. And, you know, certainly that character had issues, but that's pretty much what they could kind of get away with at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the treatment of Uhura, I think, in Star Trek Into Darkness, which is, charitably speaking, I think we can say it's problematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas at the same time, I think, you know, if you look at... Um, a character like spock in star trek into darkness he's being treated i think a little differently um Mm -hmm. what what would you say about that do you do you think that star trek is is going in the right direction or is it not
1: i think it's gone backwards recently um and i think that's why um there is more of this growing community of people who are interested in star trek and women's representation or feminism um uh, there's a great group uh, of people on Tumblr who are talking about this because people were so disappointed by the reboot movies. Um, and uh, even with things like the statistics of the number of women who are involved behind the scenes through the shows, it basically goes steadily upwards to uh, about mid-Voyager and then starts going down downhill through Enterprise. So um, I do think things have gone a bit Downhill, generally speaking.
0: Yeah, and 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 you know, you also uh, run this blog called Gender Focus, which which kind of focuses on on, on pop culture more generally. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that this is something that is unique to Star Trek or unique to science fiction, or is this something that's happening in pop culture more generally in, in the second decade of the of the twenty first century?
1: I think that um, there is sort of a feeling, or less pressure than there was on shows in the 80s and 90s to really show more diverse casts. I mean, for example, um, another good example would be Law and Order, where in the original series of Law and Order, which started around the same time as The Next Generation, um, two years in, NBC put in a rule that you had to have um, a certain percentage of women among your starring cast. So they replaced some of the main characters with women um, and explored, I think, more serious issues. And then Now with where you're at, you got to with like later Law and Order and now Special Victims Unit, it seems a lot more formulaic, a lot more sensationalized. There's um, a lot more sort of focus on just like putting women in peril again, instead of thinking up like really creative characters. Um, And the idea that, you know, that still this I don't think has changed the most important audience is young men and that young men aren't going to watch it unless it has women in their bras at some point,
0: (laughs) (laughs) which of course we, we know happened into star Trek into darkness for apparently no reason whatsoever. Right. Yeah.
1: And like the fact that it was one of the very few scenes chosen for the trailer, I think speaks volumes about what they were like, why that was in there and what they were going for. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, so, so I guess you know it's kind of interesting, then, right? Because I think you know if you if you go all the way back to the beginning with the original series, uh, of course, the original series had some some real problems, and um, as you point out in in, Trekkie Femin- in Trekkie Feminist, uh, you know, you, you talk about things like Turnabout Intruder, for example, which was mm-hmm. you know I think probably one of the more hostile episodes of the entire franchise to women, frankly. Yeah. Uh, and you also talk about. Um, you know, you talk about a horror quite a bit. So, so going back to the very beginning of the franchise, so, so what do you see as the, what do you see as the good points of it? And, and what do you see as the problematic elements? And, and, and do you think like maybe the next generation got those right or wrong?
1: I think that, uh, the original series definitely has some, some pretty bad episodes for women. Um, but overall for the time, it was striking, uh, more of an important important statement um, so even though a lot of times you know the guest star woman of the week was really just there to you have a relationship with Kirk and then do something hysterical or something um, but you had in addition to Uhura and Chapel um, you had uh, not an insignificant number of women uh, like ensigns and lieutenants who were doing uh, uh, you know things in the background that were professional, and uh, they weren't always there to just be a love interest. Um, so I think that that was a really positive thing. And if you look at how they uh, the creators talk about working on the original series, um, there was really... Uh, A lot of thought went into, we want to have at least a third of the crew be women. um, And they they put a lot of thought into even things about how, you know, how birth control would have worked if they ever had to address it. Um, So I think that the intention was there that we have to, um, we know in the future that a future we want to see is one where women are more equal. Um, But because of the time that they were at, they weren't necessarily able to go as far as was possible.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the the, the really striking thing about the, the original series in general is that it does have this sense of, you know, getting away with things in, in a sense and, and sort of striving for something better um, mm-hmm. than, than what was in the culture at the time, obviously, because, you know, the the 60s, uh, you know, you're looking at feminism in the 60s. Uh, you're, you're looking at basically not the birth of, of feminism, but you're certainly looking at um you know, women coming into the workplace and really struggling, uh, to be taken seriously as, as, you know, employees and even, you know, not, not, not to mention even sort of like putting into positions of power. I mean, that was sort of, uh, uh, unheard of at that point. Um, I mean, if you look at someone like the, the character of number one, for instance, in the original pilot of this, of the show, um, mm-hmm. I'm curious to get your thoughts on, you know, what, why that character in particular do you think was so problematic for, for the NBC brass?
1: Yeah, so uh, I think that number one is really interesting. Um, And, uh, you know, I've read various things about, uh, you know, the polling that they did after the initial pilot or the focus grouping that found that both men and women really didn't like her. Um, I think that even still in pop culture today, we see that there's this feeling that women characters somehow have to be likable right off the bat, and there, it doesn't seem to be that same feeling about male characters that their main thing that you're judging them isn't about how much people like them. Um, so I think that's a bit of a factor because she isn't seen to be very, you know, friendly in the first um, in the pilot episode of the Cage. But that said, I think there's a little bit of a myth that comes out of the whole discussion about number one, which is this idea that well, Gene Roddenberry had this sort of perfect vision of the future that had women who were basically equal and then the networks came in and screwed everything up. Um, And I think that lets Gene Roddenberry a little too much off the hook. Because even in The Cage, um, which he wrote, there's a scene where Number One and Colt are being analyzed for their reproductive potential by the the Talosians, and uh, they're being... Um, it, you know, we find out that they're both secretly in love with the captain. Uh, so that's not a good way to start off characters that you want to be seen as empowered and more or less independent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. And I, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of the one of the tensions of, I think, the original series in general that, you know, you had in, in Gene Roddenberry. And, and really, I think it's interesting because you know, a lot has been written about Gene Roddenberry and sort of this legend of Gene Roddenberry. Um, and I think a lot of that came after the original series. But, you know, he was really just trying to make a TV show. And certainly he was trying to make a TV show that um, had some utopian elements, had some some sort of idea of a better future. But at the time, he was really just trying to, you know, keep Star Trek on the air. So, yeah. you know, he was he was a man of his time and he was also a man perhaps that uh, had his own, you know, issues with women, whatever they were, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But I
0: think, you know, the other interesting thing about the original series and and I think why it was so interesting, um, you know, in terms of behind the scenes stuff is that you had, you know, for example, DC Fontana working on the show, mm-hmm. uh, who was one of the finest writers, you know, of the original series. Um, you had, you know, David Gerald who wrote a, 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 you know, a, The Trouble with Tribbles, who who's a gay man. So, mm-hmm. uh, there definitely are, you know, people behind the scenes in the original series that um I guess we're kind of trying to I don't know if you would say they were they were putting forward something or they were just kind of trying to do the best job they that they could. Do you think do you think that's that's fair? Oh
1: I I totally agree. And I think I won't go into in detail, but you know, a few really standout episodes I think um, in terms of women's roles. Um, I really love Uhura in uh, Mirror Mirror. And uh, how we get to see that she's, like, totally capable of going undercover and taking on this totally badass role. And she has some natural hesitation at first. um, But then she totally takes it on and fools everyone. I think that was an awesome episode for her. Um, And uh, the Enterprise incident uh, with the woman Romulan commander, I think, which is a DC Fontana episode, um, is another one that really pushed boundaries. And actually, DC Fontana hadn't wanted uh, the commander to sort of get uh seduced by spock or tricked into thinking uh spock was into her um but overall i still think it was a really cool character to create and to have a woman bad guy in the original series what um who wasn't just you know bad because she was prone to feminine flaws uh was a really significant thing
0: yeah, and I, you know, it's funny because I I, I read that uh, post on on Trekkie Feminist, and I, I found it really interesting. But you know, the 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 funny thing to me about the the role of the Romulan commander in that episode is, you know, yeah, certainly I think D C Fontana, you know, it, it probably, you know, I, I think it's it's it was probably a good call of D C Fontana's not not to have any sort of romance between them, and you know, it does hurt the episode a little bit. But at the same time, I think it's interesting that you can have a you know, because I think one of the issues with women, por- women as portrayed in pop culture in general, is that it's it's difficult to find examples of women that can be sexual or, or can be feminine mm-hmm. and still be powerful. Yeah. Um and so that's the thing that I like about that character is that she is. There's no question she's in charge. There's no question she's very professional, but she's also allowed to be uh, a sexual being as well, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting.
1: Totally. And I actually think that's a good uh, connection to make to, um, you know, one of the arguments that I've seen in favor of Uhura in the reboot movies is um, that especially, you know, you can't overstate the importance of having Nichelle Nichols on the bridge of the Enterprise um, and the statement that that made at the time. Um, But that it, um, because Uhura in the original series never got to have that romance, um, it still sort of showed that, um, that it's harder for women of color to sort of have it all. So I've I've seen the argument, which I think is pretty fair, that at least in the reboot movies, she gets to have a romance and be somewhat kickass. I still think she deserves more time and more of her own story in there instead of her story just supporting Spock's. Yeah. Um, but I think that you know I have no problem with her. Having a relationship,
0: and I think you know the reboot movies are, are are you know problematic as well, just because you're talking about a movie as opposed to a television show, and mm-hmm. there's really only so much you can do with with seven characters um, in a two-hour movie. And I think yeah. if you look at the way that they're treating Uhura, I think definitely it has problems in the reboot movies. But um, her role is you know, expanded from the TV show, I would say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even to the point where, you know, people have said that, 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 uh, Dr. McCoy is, is almost like a, a second, uh, a second fiddle in the reboot mm-hmm. movies to Aurora. So, uh, there are definitely some upsides and downsides to that, I guess. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I'm curious what you think of, uh, the next generation then, because, you know, if you look at the original series, okay, it's this show that was striving to show women in, in roles of power and, and striving to show them um, as, you know, equal members of society that can do anything that they want to do. Um, then you have The Next Generation come along and basically you have, uh, you know, you you start out with with three main characters who are women. Of course, unfortunately, Tasha Yar uh, uh, goes away because Denise Crosby wanted to leave the show. And what you're left with, I think you made this point on, on Trekkie Feminist feminists that you sort of have, um, two characters, Dr. Crusher and, and Troy who are doctors or, you know, sort of these compassionate, uh, professions and Troy is walking around in a cat suit. So, <laughs> uh, you know, is, is, is the next generation a step back from the original series?
1: I think that, um, the next generation is, is a bit of a mixed bag. I don't think it's really a step back because they did, I think, a, better and more consistent job of having interesting women guest characters and in you know, a variety of different roles admirals and Vosh and other um, interesting women characters um, but when you look at that situation with the main characters it's definitely an issue um, The I think the most significant thing wasn't so much that Troy and Crusher were both in so called caring or nurturing professions but that I don't think that the writers actually respected that I think that um, especially Troy, there, there seemed to be no actual respect for the fact that being a psychologist or a, or a counsellor is actually an important job. So most of the time you get to see her, she's sort of like, oh, I feel pain, or alternately she's getting assaulted by someone that she's initially attracted to um, who's a visiting diplomat. So there was a lot of sort of damsel in distress type plots and with her, that, whereas you rarely actually got to see her doing important things in terms of being a counsellor.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm reminded of, you know, because because we're we're about to finish up, uh, we're getting towards the end of the second season of The Next Generation um on track about and you know, I'm thinking of something like uh Loud as a Whisper, uh yeah. the episode with the with the deaf uh, diplomat who who loses his yeah. chorus mm-hmm. and I, you know, that episode always strikes me as as really creepy because um He's he comes across as very sexually aggressive and, mm-hmm. and, and almost to the point where um, I, I feel like it's 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 just inappropriate. I mean, and I think Troy more often than not got put into situations like that, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that there's a, been a problem in Star Trek and Next Generation. We see it the most often of confusing. Um, sexual aggression or sexual assault with a romantic plot line. Um, and the most ex- obvious example would be Sub Rosa where mm, yeah. Scottish or the Scottish ghost and Dr. Crusher. And the way that the, the creators talk about that episode is this was a romance. This is what we did for the women. But that's, that's like clearly not a romance. It's clearly an assault. Um, and you see that with Troy as well, that I, I mean, I would have way rather seen the types of shows we got to see her in later where she's, you know, having fun on the holodeck with war for she's commanding, um, and dealing with the issues of taking the bridge exam rather than seeing her fall for another ill-fated diplomat of the week.
0: And of course, I think the, the big question is what do you make of Loaxana Troy?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's complicated. Um, I, I think that um, I really like her overall. Um, I think that if it had just been, you know, say her first two appearances where she's really the auntie Mame sort of character um, that she would have been fun, but not much else. Um, but then later um, she does get to have a little bit more depth um, in terms of, you know, the, especially the episode where she's um, married the man who has to die because he's a certain age. Um, mm, yeah, I can't remember what that one's called. Um, but I think that one is great, great at not, you know, it doesn't destroy where she came from, um, but shows that she's more complicated than just being this sort of monster in law, Auntie Mame, nosy, uh, woman. Um, so yeah, I, I, actually, I'm pretty fond of her actually.
0: Yeah. And I think, and I think Deep Space Nine does her even better as well. I mean, Deep Space Nine really goes a long way towards making her, I think, uh, even, even more of a fully fleshed out person.
1: Yeah, my only thing with Deep Space Nine is the last episode that she's in, The Muse. Yeah. Um, I think really did her character a disservice. That's the one where she's pregnant and she comes to Odo for help. And it just seems to me totally unlike her to not be in a situation where she has a plan and then to need to be rescued by Odo. Um, I, I really would have liked to see her come and be and maybe need his help, but ha- to have the idea of where she was going with this all along instead of needing him to come up with the the solution
0: yeah yeah and i think that really that really strikes me as um the writers trying to figure out some sort of 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 conflict for the two characters to to try and 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 have together because they did work well together but but perhaps just not coming up with the right one or not selling it in the right way
1: yeah and it made it more about him than it was about her
0: yeah absolutely
1: so I think then,
0: you know, if you look at The Next Generation, um, and of course, we haven't really talked about Pulaski, which I think is funny, because, you know, Pulaski is almost this forgotten character of the franchise. But mm-hmm. but, you know, in rewatching the second season, I, I've come to actually really like her character. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you what do you think of, of Pulaski as a as a as a feminist uh, uh, role model or not?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I think that it's she's really interesting to talk about, and I've have, I've have mixed feelings. Um, I I hear from a lot of people that you know they hated her when it first aired, but rewatching it, they could appreciate her. Um, I think that it's a fair critique to say that it was a really bad idea to start her out hating Data. Yeah. Um, because uh, they were trying to sort of create the sort of McCoy Spock type conflict, but it just came out as. Um, like almost abusive the way that she dismisses him. Um, and i I don't think that she's you know too gruff um, i I like how she interacts with some of the characters later, but I think just her first appearance in the child was a really um, it was a missed opportunity in terms of introducing a character that you wanted people to relate to, not just in terms of her. Um, disrespecting Data, but also the fact that when she first, like the first time we even hear about her, Picard basically thinks that she's getting drunk in 10 forward. Right. <laughs> and um, and uh, one of my friends pointed out that it does seem like there's a bit of a pattern that when the captain doesn't like a character that the audience isn't usually going to like them either. Um, so I can see why she didn't totally take. But I think it was cool to see a character who, was you know in a caring profession, but didn't seem so you know maternal um right off the bat,
0: yeah, I think that's why I like her because you know she definitely i think inverts a lot of the the standard tropes that that women characters have in star trek i mean she's not maternal she's she's not really worried about being liked um, and in fact I think you're you're supposed to dislike her at the beginning mm-hmm. of the, of the show, which of course I think was a misfire because uh you know Pulaski. I think Pulaski was supposed to stick with the show. I, I, I don't. I don't get a sense that she was only supposed to be there for the second season, even though that is mm-hmm. how it worked out. But you know, as you as you kind of see her evolution over the over the second season, I think what you see is a character that um, is able to be a strong just a just a strong person in general. And 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 you know, you sort of even um, you even for, not not forget that she's a woman, but it, it's really incidental to her character. I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, and I don't want to I don't want to discount uh, Deep Space Nine because I think Deep Space Nine, you know, it did a lot for for women in the franchise as well. I think Kira is probably one of the stronger women characters in, in, in the entire franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious about what you what you think about the, the, the main female characters in Deep Space Nine.
1: Yeah, Deep Space Nine's uh, one of my favorite series. Uh, I think, um, you know, what you were saying earlier about characters um, showing that they don't have to choose between being strong and being attractive or having, um, it's not even being attractive, but being able to have uh, romantic sexual desire and act on that. And Deep Space Nine, I think, did the best job of all the series with uh, both Dax and Kira. Um, And uh, I think that the... One of the great things um, about Deep Space Nine is the way that those characters were, they were both strong, but in different ways. And uh, Dax had sort of the interesting, uh, the wisdom that came along with being a trill, um, where she got to be this important advisor to Cisco and go off and fight with Klingons, even though she's uh, supposed to be a twenty. 28 year old woman i forget how old she's supposed to be yeah something like
0: Um, like mid-20s i think yeah
1: yeah and um you know as much as you can get into discussions about you know whether or not Space stein should have really um should have either had less religious elements or judged it them differently um i think it was neat to see um, Kira is a character who's like grappling with her past and her spirituality and practicality and politics, um, and relationships, uh, over, uh, you know, the span of seven years that, those characters got to develop a lot more than the ones we see in the other series
0: yeah and I think I like you know Deep Space Nine as well because it kind of has I think the, the greatest um, I guess br- breadth of, of female characters because you have a lot of of, of recurring guest stars as well mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm thinking of characters like Cassie Yates for example um, or the female changeling which of course the female changeling may or may not actually be a woman but of course the audience reads her as a woman mm-hmm. whether or not she actually is one so yeah or uh, Kai
1: Wynn
0: yeah Kai Wynn as well is a great example of a, of a sort of a a villainous character i think but Mm -hmm. also one that you can understand her motivations and i think you know she's Wen, i think is interesting because she's she's sympathetic but she also comes across as a villain which which is hard which is hard to pull off
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um what what do you make of, of of cassidy yates though i'm curious because you know cassidy yates has this interesting subplot where um I find her relationship with Cisco to be really interesting because. She starts out as a character, which, uh, you know, is is kind of you could even think of her as an independent businesswoman in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, And she also is revealed to have these sort of Maquis sympathies as well. And she Mm -hmm. ends up going to to prison, I believe. Um, But Cisco still stands by her and they still, you know, stay in their relationship. And what I like about that is, you know, it seems like Cassidy Yates and Cisco's relationship uh, is treated very seriously. But at the same time, she's not subsumed into it, if you know what I mean.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah i i really like that about her. I like how she um maintains independence and uh that as even went to the point where she's um committed to him very much but um in the last part of the season um not one of my favorite episodes, but in, for example, in Bada Bing, Bada Bang, where um he's, like, getting mad at her for going to the hollow suite, and she's like, you basically just have to suck this up, because I'm going to go and have fun for going to the hollow suite. Um, I like how she can just tell Cisco, like, no, this is how I feel about it, and I'm going to do it, and you have to deal with it, Um, and, but that she's still, you know, very supportive and caring about him and Jake um, and, uh, yeah, and she's just, she's quite a bit of fun. I think they could have explored a bit more about her politics, um, uh, because once she's back from prison, we really don't see her getting involved that much, um, in some of the political things that are happening on the station.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I, uh, Deep Space Nine is interesting because, you know, what, what I'm kind of hearing from you is that, you know, Deep Space Nine maybe, um, has the, the most, I think, well-developed female characters, or at least the, the greatest mm-hmm. number of well-developed female characters, which I think is a testament to, to the strength of Deep Space Nine as a program, but but also to the the time period in which it was was being aired as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you're, you're looking at it, of course, from the perspective of, you know, this was being done in the in the mid 90s. So that was kind of like you had all of this um, really strong pop culture feminism stuff going on at the time that Deep Space Nine was on. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and I think you know I don't want to I don't want to move on to to perhaps you know the the most important female character of the Star Trek franchise. <laughs> um, before you know before we do that though, I, I do want to talk about Kira a little more because mm-hmm. I think Kira in a lot of ways is, you know, maybe even sort of a test run or a dry run of of Captain Janeway mm-hmm. uh, because it was the first time that a that a, a woman was a main character on a Star Trek show that was you know not sexualized in any way um aside from her uniform perhaps <laughs> mm-hmm. and and not also at first <laughs> not at first right yeah. and and uh also is a is a is a warrior you know is it is a freedom fighter um she is a very strong character literally mm-hmm. uh so 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 what do you make of that as as sort of the idea that, that Kira might be sort of this this sort of like um er Jane way or something like that
1: hmm um well i mean I think that kira's character um you know came out of they initially were going to make it Ro, um right. Um and i think that they changed it enough from that but i think that it, it draws more from that role um i do think there's some similarities between her and janeway and i do think that they did think that this is where we are going next uh, that you um if you hear people at that time that Um, talking about, well, you know, and then we finally got a woman first officer in Deep Space Nine, and then we could have a woman captain in Voyager. I think there was a sense that, you know, if this doesn't go well, we might not get the woman captain. But overall, I think um, that with Kira, maybe partly because uh, they felt like she didn't have to be the one in charge, and so she didn't have to um, be shown as someone who was going to be get along with everyone. Um, Maybe because of that, they were able to, um, I think, give her more more deep motivations and complicated motivations that made for a lot of great interpersonal conflict.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point so then let let's let's move on to sort of the 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 elephant in the room so to speak Jane, Janeway. way um <laughs> mm-hmm. you know it was funny because again like when when you uh, uh were talking about Janeway way and I, I think you all on the panel last last august were were big Janeway way fans mm-hmm. um you know and it's funny because I had never really I never really thought about Janeway all that much because my, my relationship to Voyager was, I sort of um, was, was uh, getting not out of Star Trek at the time, but I, I didn't watch Voyager. Um, mm-hmm. I was very much a, a TNG and, and Deep space nine person and then got into Voyager a little later. And I've been rewatching uh, Voyager recently and I'm, I'm, I just started the fourth season. So I also, I have seven of nine, which is another really mm-hmm. important female character for the franchise. Yeah. But, uh, I, I'm surprised by how much I actually like the character of Janeway. Um, mm-hmm. I think that she's, you know, she's a really strong character. And I think that she has a lot of really interesting elements that uh, previous starship captains in the show don't really have. So so how important do you think Janeway was for, for Star Trek feminism as a whole?
1: I think she was really important. And I do think, you know, how people came into it, will really affect how they read it. For me, I was 10 and having a woman captain was so cool. Uh, I had posters of her on my wall and everything. And I imagine it was similar for kids who are watching Uhura back in the 60s for little girls. Um, And um, I think that, so I think it's really important. I think that one of the issues with Janeway is because um, women are still... Um, you know, part of the thing we we talk about in uh, in feminism and in na- analyzing pop culture is that um, part of the problem is often women and even more so people of color will get to be seen as sort of representative of their whole group Mm -hmm. so um if you don't have a lot of women characters or um a lot of characters of color then they become sort of tokens and token representatives and i think chakotay would be a good example of someone who is sort of became like tokenized and stereotyped janeway i don't think did, but I think because the writers were so worried about that happening that she became pretty inconsistent throughout the show. Um, so I, I think that I really like her and I'm, I'm a fan, but I can see that there's some fair criticisms about how her character and the decisions that she makes. Um, makes change throughout the show. I think a lot of that was this idea that, well, we want to make her feminine, but she can't be too feminine. Um, But then if she's too tough, then people will think she's a bitch. And it's kind of this classic lose-lose situation um, that women get into in uh, in real life, too. So...
0: Yeah and I think I think that's 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 really intriguing actually because you know it's something I hadn't really thought before where um you know in creating a character like Picard or a character like like um uh, uh Cisco for example even though you know Cisco of course um was was really I think you know we shouldn't discount the fact that he was really important and really influ- influential for being the first um you know African American you know lead on a Star Trek show that that was really something that um what was very important for the franchise mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the fact of the matter is, you know, once we, we get, you know, once, you know, 10 years later, enterprise happens and you're back to having a, you know, a a white dude as captain, it's a little, Mm -hmm. it's a little disappointing, but, um, you know, so, so in terms of, I guess the, the, the sense that people had about her, you know, as a, as a person, um. You have to whereas you can write Picard as a character and just sort of say, "Okay, this is what he is, and we can stay consistent because no one's going to judge him as an example of all men, yeah, uh but Janeway becomes this I guess figurehead almost for the fact that, okay, well, this is how any woman in this position would would react, mm-hmm. and you know is there is there a way to is there a way to get around that? Is it just to ignore it? Uh, how do you, how do you sort of solve that problem?
1: Um, I think they should have ignored it more than they did, but I think overall that it just takes time and that we need more women in all kinds of roles, um, in Star Trek, but across pop, pop culture. Um, and then after a while you stop associating those traits with that gender, Um, But I think that some of the, so the best, the things that I like most about Janeway, I love that she's a scientist. My favorite scenes are the ones where her and Bellana are just like totally techno babbling. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that set a really important role. I also like how she can, she's really um, sort of, she's really good at bringing people together. I think Partly maybe because of that, they didn't explore as much of the conflict there could have been within the crew. Um, But I really like how they showed her as someone who, um, you know, she she likes hearing different opinions and um, values people for their perspectives instead of like Archer, who anyone disagrees with him and he's just a total jerk to them. (laughs)
0: Right, right. Yeah, and I think that, that raises some some interesting questions as well about the sort of um the meta plot of Star Trek Voyager because, you know, one of the criticisms of Star Trek Voyager has always been that um the show too easily fell into uh having a harmonious crew, mm-hmm. uh even though you had, you know, the Maquis, which were basically um, you know, the, the Federation viewed them as terrorists, they viewed themselves as sort of freedom fighters. Um, but you know, Chicote, who was the leader of Maquis Cell, and then, you know, three episodes later he's you know, Starfleet core, you know, down to the Uh core, um, you know, were there some, do you think that there were some expectations, uh, you know, placed on Janeway that that could have been damaging if, if, you know, Star Trek Voyager had been the one Star Trek show that had a female captain who was presiding over a crew that um, was extremely, uh, you know, discontented and, and sort of disconnected and had a lot of problems.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, if you look at uh, boards or message boards and the p- reasons people don't like Janeway, there's there's a lot of sort of gender assumptions in there. Like I, like I said, she's, you know, she's too soft or she's too cold. Um, and I think that you probably would have seen if the crew hadn't got along that you know well what do you expect from women they can't control their ship um like that would never happen with Picard um so I think that's unfortunate but I still think that there was more room for some conflict and maybe it could have even just been conflict at the level that the captain didn't know about right um to keep her out of those accusations, which are not really fair in the first place, but, you know, just more, you know, more things, you know, instead of, you know, Bolana just punching Carrie in the nose, which, of course, everyone knows about, but more people just not getting along so well.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, and, and, and kind of along those lines, I think one of the things I like about the character of Janeway so much is that she's really, um, I think one of the only starship captains besides Kirk who has this sort of sly sense of humor about her. And she's sort mm-hmm. of just kind of, uh, I think she finds things amusing, but she, she doesn't necessarily let on that she finds them amusing. Um, yeah. and she also knows, uh, she also knows when to, I think, give some slack and then when to sort of like, you know, uh, uh, uh you know, kind of, uh, be really really in charge as well Mm -hmm. um i think if you're if you're ranking starship captains um you know i think you're definitely going to put jane way uh i think certainly above uh captain archer (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) it's not hard
0: (laughs) no not at all um and then I guess the other the other big thing about Star Trek Voyager is, of course, the character of Seven of Nine. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is the first time where you had, uh, a, you know, the lead of the show as a woman. And then you also had this interesting relationship between two women that that had nothing to do with with men, had nothing to do with with sexuality. It was just um, kind of this nice mentoring relationship that I think also wasn't motherly or, or, or wasn't, you know, sort of this mother daughter relationship as well. Would, would you agree with that?
1: Um, I think that there there are several references where it there it does sort of take on a mother daughter kind of tone um, but overall i th- I really think seven is a great character and I think sh- it was great to bring her in to develop some of that conflict uh, within the crew um, and also just show um, a woman character dealing with her own conflict um, and they also did that with Bolana um, I think that um, that's something that we didn't get to see in the original series and and Next Generation because there's this idea that well, because this is a utopian vision of the future, the characters aren't going to be fighting all the time um, or they aren't going to they're going to be above these problems. So we're going to make all the conflict to do with aliens. But by the time you got to Deep Space Nine Voyager, the women characters and all the characters really got to be more people that we could relate to as a modern audience, people that have their own issues and have challenges overcoming them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. Um, and, and also the fact of the matter is, of course, that, you know, there, there were, you know, quite a few female characters in Voyager that that were very different. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that's really you're, you're looking at that's the first Star Trek show, perhaps, that had a variety of female characters that were um, leads and, and, and did have those differences as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then you also had the Borg Queen uh, as the sort of the major recurring villain. So I think that was really cool
0: yeah yeah and we shouldn't forget about cass I you know
1: <laughs> okay. oh we can just forget a little
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you do you not like Cass?
1: Oh, uh, I'm not a big fan. um I think it's really cool how you know smart and um ambitious she is, but I think that she didn't really get a lot of interesting stuff to do um, yeah. and uh yeah, she just never felt like. Um, I really, really disliked the part where the whole, you know, way that she started functioning in was whether or not, you know, Paris and Neelix were going to fight over her and, um, that they, they could have maybe developed her better if there had just been no romantic entanglements because there was also the doctor a little bit, um, and it just, I think, overshadowed some of the potential.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I find Cass to be sort of a problematic character. I, I do like her, and I think a lot of it has to do with the performance, um, mm-hmm. you know, because I think the actress that played her was, was had a very um, interesting take on the character, but on the whole, I think it just wasn't a very well thought out character because you have yeah. this character who's supposed to be extremely young. Um, Neelix, frankly, comes off as a, as a sexual predator yeah. uh, and and a pedophile even because mm-hmm. uh, there's an episode where she, I think she goes into puberty and I'm I was watching this and I'm like. Um, was Neelix dating someone who was, pr- what's going on like, here? Like what is going on here? Um, and then also you had the whole weird uh, uh, thing about, like you said, Paris and-, and Neelix fighting over her, which is a very sort of retrograde, like the yeah. men need to fight over the woman. She can't make her own decisions. Mm-hmm. And-, and-, and of course that could have been mitigated if Cassid had stood up for herself, but, but-, but she didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of, I think an example of how the Star Trek, you know, Star Trek Voyager has um, some serious problems in its writing. Mm -hmm. But I think this is one of the characters where the writing, I think, really failed her, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, finally, I guess we should talk about, you know, the last Star Trek show a little bit. Um, and, And, you know, I think Star Trek Enterprise... Is probably the least interesting show to talk about from a feminist perspective just because number one there frankly aren't that many women on the show mm-hmm. uh, and and one of the two you know women uh, uh, female uh, main characters is, is kind of a non entity mm-hmm. uh, and then you have uh, you know of course I'm talking about uh, Hoshi and, and, and mm-hmm. Paul um, what, what do you make of those two characters.
1: Sure. So, uh if, you know, in interest of full disclosure, I haven't seen every episode of Enterprise. Um, when I started doing the blog project, I had basically watched a couple episodes when it first aired and just really hated it. So I had never finished watching it. And when I started doing the blog project, I thought okay, I owe it to this project and to the franchise to try and give this another chance. And uh, maybe it'll be more interesting now that I can apply this lens to it. Um, And I had a lot of people on Tumblr who gave me suggestions of which episodes they liked particularly. Um, So I've watched most of season one and then sort of a smattering of episodes from the other seasons. Um, But... Overall, I think it, it's really interesting to describe from a feminist perspective or to look at, but um, it definitely has the most episodes that I find just painful. <laughs> um, so in terms of Hoshi and Tepal, uh I think that the most important thing to look at is that they both start out as outsiders and that um you know hoshi starts out as basically incompetent she's so scared um but that everyone has to basically yell at her slash encourage her to be able to do her job and i think that's a really bad way to start out one of two women characters Uh, and then the other one starts out as basically everyone hates her yeah (laughs) because she's a vulcan so um I think that that's, that was a really bad decision to say we're only going to make two character women characters, and they're both going to be people who don't really fit in. Um, that the types of, um, the other characters we get, um, especially Trip, um, his sort of like buddy, buddy relationship with Archer, um, really means, you know, he's in the club and Reed and, uh, What's his face? Travis. Um, they also have this like really pally type of relationship. Um, and Phlox is very confident. So they, those characters, they all seem like we have our roles and we're good with them. Um, and I think that it could have done better to spread the, um, conflict out a little bit amongst the genders.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I, you know, the, the thing I always find striking about Star Trek enterprise in general is, is number one, how, how white the cast is, um, Mm -hmm. you know, because if you're looking at, at Star Trek enterprise, I think, uh, it, you know, I think people forget as well, how, how, how white the cast of the next generation was. I mean, that was Mm -hmm. not a diverse cast. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, certainly you had you know Lavar Burton, you had Whoopi Goldberg as a guest star, um, and you had Michael Dorn playing at Klingon. Uh, but but aside from that, I, I don't think you had uh, much in the way of of, of racial um, no. you know diversity. And so you know, Star Trek Enterprise almost seems like Star Trek going backwards to me in a way where yeah. you had a lot of really strong characters, of very diverse backgrounds and 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 genders in Deep Space Nine and Voyager, and then in, in in Enterprise you get a bunch of white dudes, um, you know, an in, in Asian American woman. Uh, a Vulcan and uh, Travis who, who's who's black so it's kind yeah. of like what you know what what exactly is going on here and, and I don't know what to make of it I'm I'm kind of curious if you have any thoughts about that is it just the time period that it was made in because you're talking about something that was made um, you know sort of like post 9-11 does that factor into it you know wh- where do you you know how do you sort of like look mm-hmm. at the arc of that in, in, in that sense
1: yeah I feel like it was um, a bit it almost feels like I'm not you know I can't back this up but that Um, you know, Rick Berman and Brandon Braga were like, okay, we checked off all our diversity boxes in the last two shows. (laughs) So now we can just write off, write the series we want to write. Now we can just Um, have a bunch
0: of white guys. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then like, Oh really? We should probably have a woman. Okay. Well let's make her a Vulcan and we'll make her super hot. and We'll put her in a cat suit, even though it's totally illogical. And um, (laughs) like, uh, I mean, it frustrates me, you know, I don't necessarily have a problem with characters wearing a cat suit if you can really argue it but i yeah. think that um with to it makes the least sense of everyone because there's actually episodes where she like she's really cold yeah <laughs> and you're like why couldn't you just put her in the uniform that looks so much warmer
0: <laughs> well yeah that, that, that's totally true i mean in a universe yeah. the vulcans come from a very hot planet so yeah <laughs> you, would, you would expect her to be wearing you know heavy furs or something
1: yeah and she's uh she's supposed to be logical so it doesn't make any sense but um yeah, uh, sorry, kind of sidetracked there, but then um, the thing with Hoshi is she, I think in, uh, there's a, maybe one or two episodes that I can think of where they do a good job showing how important her work is, mm-hmm. but then there's, my probably my most angry making episode is the one where her big important assignment is that she has to find out Reed's favorite food so that they can make him a birthday cake. And Archer (laughs) is like explicitly ordering her to go find out Reed's favorite food. And she's like, but I want to check the sensor network because we're getting attacked by these aliens and we might all die. And Archer's like, no, I told you find out this cake or information so we can make Reed a (laughs) cake. So, um yeah i mean the characters they just um they are really respected i think to eventually gets there but i think it was a really big mistake to start out with all the other main characters constantly lecturing her about how she needs to change who she is and not her to set her own boundaries and that's and that's
0: something that i think the franchise sort of i mean you know this is sort of a side tangent but i think that's something the franchise developed very slowly because she does play this vulcan character and i (laughs) think starting in deep space nine the vulcan's you know, got this reputation for being sort of arrogant, and never nobody liked them, which which is strange <laughs> because Spock is one of the most beloved characters in the entire franchise. So, yeah. I I just don't get that. So, I think you know, you know, Jolene Blaylock who who played to Paul, I think had had kind of two strikes against her in that in that sense.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I think that the politics that we got to see in Deep Space Nine, um, in terms of the Cardassians, the and Majorans and the Dominion, um, ended up having there was a lot more fruit, and they were a lot more complex than the uh the politics that they tried to create in enterprise they're they're interesting but there's just only so far they could go with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then of course, you know, it, it, do you think there's anything there with um, the fact that enterprise is a prequel? I mean, do, 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 I think that it's being charitable to, to sort of, you know um, assume that, that Rick Berman and, and, and Brandon Brago <laughs> were, were sort of saying, okay, well, this was a hundred years before Kirk. So women were a little less important or whatever, <laughs> but, um, is there any way to justify that in your mind?
1: I don't think so. I think that they played fast and loose with it a lot um, in terms of um you know having some kinds of technologies that we didn't see in the original series um in terms of um you know suddenly bringing in like the Ferengi and other um species that we didn't have originally. Um I like I do like some of the ways that they recreated like the Andorians um but I think they used a lot of creative license. So I don't I don't think uh, that there was was a good argument for um trying to say that they should have been showing a politics that was less evolved than yeah. the original series.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I guess then if if you know we touched on the the prequel or not the prequel movies but the um you know sort of the reboot movies already mm-hmm. uh but in the in sort of the arc of Star Trek if you're looking at this whole almost 50 year history of Star Trek at this point um is the franchise i mean there's not much going on with the franchise currently but 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 do you think the franchise is going in the right direction or not and and sort of like if there was a new tv show what w- what do you think it would look like in terms of 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 representation of women
1: and it's a really interesting question um i think that if we want to get to the kinds of more equal and more diverse representation that someone like me would be looking for, that we would need a new TV show. I don't think we're going to get that through movies, um, partly because of what you said, just the time constraints that you can't develop someone quickly enough. Um, And uh, it depends a lot on, I think, bringing fans together to talk about these issues and try to raise that consciousness of um you know here's why this sort of rubs us the wrong way because we're committed to these values and we like the show because of these values of um you know respect for diversity and cooperation um and that isn't really actually being applied equally so um I'm not sure what we would see if something happened today. I mean, uh we were talking a little bit on Tumblr about the um like the Star Trek Renegades program that's or project that's being developed uh to try and um make this pilot to make a new series. Um and it has um they've done I think I, they they did receive a lot of comments from women fans that they wanted more women characters. Mm-hmm. So they've done that. Um, But I think there's some debate whether they're going to fall into some stereotypes. So, um, yeah, we'll see if that turns into anything. I think also I'm kind of a little bit worried about the way that things have gone with the canon, with the novels and Star Trek Online and um, things since the end of Enterprise, that we've seen, I think, a shift to envisioning the world after Voyager Um, As being a lot more dystopian about sort of like the crumbling of the federation. Yeah. And uh, I really worry about what that would, whether that would allow us to slide backwards in terms of the diversity and the representations of women because you no longer have to show an ideal
0: yeah i think that's a great point and i think that's something that you know of course if if there was going to be a new tv show i mean who knows you know what continuity it would be set in whether it would be the the reboot movies or whether it would be a continuation of of the the canon that had been going on for for 45 years prior to that um and of course you know uh hopefully you know i mean this is my own personal opinion but i would say hopefully they they wouldn't take uh you know much if any inspiration from those post-voyager novels and, and star trek online just because i do find uh that problematic that sort of development of of the Federation is sort of this dystopian thing where they're Mm -hmm. having constant warfare and they're having all these issues and stuff. It's like, yeah, Deep Space Nine did that because Deep Space Nine was a show that was very much a deconstruction of Star Trek in in a way. um, But, but let's get back to sort of the optimism of the franchise, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, Deep Space Nine in context with the other shows um, played a really important role in um, because it, said, well, you know, there, these ideals will, will be here, but we're going to have conflict about them. And I think that's totally fair. And it also invites the audience to participate in the discussion now. Um, but having um, a series where you kind of throw that optimism out the window, I think that would be very damaging in terms of the representations. Um, and I think that, um, you know, if my personal hope is that we would get to see um more of a show that would be um yeah back to the days of um of we're out here on a mission for the right reasons and we might argue about it but we're not going to you know destroy whole planets or get become corrupt or something like that
0: yeah absolutely and I, i i think finally you know maybe um you know I, I certainly would 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 be a fan of you know having a, a new Star Trek show that had a majority female cast. I mean, you yeah, know, I think that would be awesome. I, I don't know how likely that <laughs> is. I mean, what what do you what do you see as sort of the the since you pay attention to pop culture more generally, you know, um, th- that's still not something that's that's done very often, right?
1: No, I think um, you know what you hear from um, when you're talking to creators of pop culture, comic books, games is. There's this argument that's pretty ridiculous that you need to have a reason to make a character a woman or a person of color um, that, well, why would that character be a woman? But no one ever asks, why would that character be a white right,
0: guy? Right, right.
1: Um, so we need to break that down. Um, I think that I'm optimistic in terms of the number of people who are now talking about these issues and the networks that we've been able to work on uh, building online to lobby on these issues. Um, but the other thing I think we desperately need to see is a gay character, um, cause it is so long overdue. And, uh, there's, there just was no excuse for it leading up until now. And that's one thing we have seen increasing in pop culture today. So, um, in TV shows. Um, so I would hope that if we saw another series, there would be at least one openly gay character and p- hopefully people also just, you know, holding hands in the mess hall with people of the same sex so that you can see that this is something that will be there in the future.
0: Yeah, I think that's a that's a that's a great point. I mean, I think this is something that, you know, Star Trek needs to kind of, um, I think, move forward in a way. And, and, and you know, if you're looking at, at, at a TV show as being this, you know, modern representation, however, it's going to be constructed, um, you know, it, it does need to take into consideration all of the the diversity and and you know really look at the issues that are going on you know today i mean uh, uh, even to to the point of you know uh, you know having a transgender character or you know mm-hmm. any anything really right i mean this is something that that um star trek i think has a you know it still has a lot of uh name recognition and it still has a lot of that sort of you know cultural uh cachet and i think um if there's any if there's any franchise out there that can that can still sneak in these issues of representation in a way that, um, you know, average people can can watch and, and, and grow up with, um, you know, looking forward to, uh, you know, a sort of a more diverse, um, more equal world, I, I think Star Trek is it. And so if there was going to be a new TV show, I, I think you're right. I think you'd want to see gay characters. I think you'd want to see um, a diversity of female characters. I, I think you'd want to see all this stuff, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I'd also like to see them try again on the uh, First Nations character and do it way better than (laughs) (laughs) Chicote. Yeah. I I think it's a really strong point to make because um, the history of um, colonization was basically this idea that um, these cultures will die out because they are inferior. That was sort of the, the narrative. So I think it's really powerful to say, no, there's going to be uh, First Nations people in space. Um, but they can't be this sort of pan indigenous character with elements drawn from all sorts of different cultures, they actually need to do some research and have a legitimate actor from that background playing the role.
0: Yeah. Ha- have you have you thought about or do you have sort of a sort of a dream showrunner runner for, for a new Star Trek show?
1: Oh, I haven't thought about that at all. That is definitely something to consider. I, I have no ideas off the top of my head.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, maybe I just gave you an idea for a future yeah, post.
1: Yeah, <laughs> for sure.
0: All right, cool. Well, well, Jared, thank you so much for talking to me. Um, Thanks. So if anybody is interested in this, uh, where can they find some information? Uh, where are your two blogs?
1: Uh, TrekkieFeminist.tumblr.com and gender-focus.com.
0: Cool. Great. Well, again, thanks for joining me and uh, best of luck uh, with your blogs.
1: Thanks.